morning's message is Hot Air. Hot Air is the title of this morning's message. Now, there's some amazing things that happen when God answers prayers for us. How many of y'all love it when God answers prayers for you? It's amazing when God answers your prayers. And there's many times God answers prayers for us. And when God answers prayers for us, I love it because it's easy on our part. Amen? When God answers prayers for us, it's easy on our part because we watch him work, we give him praise, and we celebrate him for the great work he just did. Amen? The man's pretty easy on our part. I pray and God answers prayers. So it's amazing when God answers prayers for us. And a lot of people judge spiritual maturity on how many prayers God answers for people. And there's nothing wrong with that. But I do believe if that's the only way you judge spiritual maturity, we are amiss in a lot of areas because I believe there's, God wants to do more than answer prayers for us. He wants to answer prayers through us many times. And we judge spiritual maturity by the, the person who can pray and God immediately answers your prayers. And that is great spiritual maturity. There is something to be said about that. But there's also, I believe, a greater level of maturity when God says, I don't just want to answer it for you. I want to answer it through you. Because when he answers it through us, we become what the Bible says as co-laborers. Come on. In the kingdom of God. And now that takes real maturity. When, God, when you pray and God answers a prayer, that takes maturity. When you pray and God says, I'm going to answer the prayer, but I'm going to do it through you, that means he trusts you with his anointing, with his power, with his, with his greatness, that he says, I'm not just going to answer it for you, I'm going to do it through you. And when he does it through you, it rises us up to a new level of authority in our life. And when he answers it prayer through us, it's a little bit different. Everybody say, it takes timing. Everybody say, it takes timing. <laughs> See, that inquires with patience, right? We're not so big on that sometimes. See, when God answers a prayer through us, it takes timing. We did a whole series on the timing of God in the Lazarus series, and it takes timing. It also takes us hearing his instruction. Amen? And then it takes us being obedient and doing. Amen? See, see, we always love to say God's perfect in his timing. Amen? And if you're waiting on an answer to prayer, you hate that answer. Come on now. Somebody with me on that. Okay, some of y'all have never had a prolonged prayer, I guess, that wasn't getting answered. Because when you're praying for something and your heart's earnestly seeking something and it's just not happening and you're saying, oh God, it's time and you know it's time and it's just not there. And, and, and then somebody who walks up to you say, well, you know he's God and it's just in his timing, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. I won't tell you my reaction, but this right here, you, you know, I mean, that's what you feel like sometimes. Right? Come on, somebody get real with me this morning. That's what you feel like sometimes. It's just in his timing. The Lord knows what's best. <laughs> Come on now. And I know it's in his timing. And I know he knows what's best. But it still doesn't help me in the moment. Amen. That is not encouraging. <laughs> okay? If you want to encourage somebody with it, if you know they're waiting on something from God, go buy them an ice cream cone. <laughs> So you think I'm playing. It's a lot funner waiting, eating ice cream than waiting, not eating ice cream. We know it's God's timing. Amen. We know he's coming through. We know he's God. We know he's the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. But while you're waiting on his timing, go buy somebody some ice cream. Amen. It makes the waiting a lot easier. Sit with and wait. And if it is so much in God's timing, and you know that, why don't you step out and wait with them Instead of just telling them to wait on him. 
See, because here's the thing about in his timing that everybody loves to say, but nobody loves to wait with you. In his timing, you're supposed to hear his voice. Cookies and cream ice cream. Thank you, Jesus. That's my favorite. I'm just, I'm just giving you a heads up. The next time you hear, I'm waiting on something. All right? or, or Sweet Frog's gift cards. They work just the same. Amen. Praise God. You hear his instruction, but then here's the next part. You have to be obedient and do. See, that's where the church, I do believe many times, we've got to step up to the plate once again. We love to say it takes timing. We love to declare that. We love to also say, I've heard God and he told me to just come and encourage you. Good, bring him ice cream. But when it says to step out and it takes us being obedient and doing, a lot of us want to wait. We don't want to wait with somebody while they're waiting on him. And many times God's saying, I want you to step out and wait with somebody in the process. And in this message this morning... I want us to get a clarification that God wants to do something more than just answer prayers for you. He wants to answer prayers through you. And if he's going to answer prayers through you, it's going to take you knowing his timing, knowing when it's right. Amen. It's going to take you hearing his voice. And it's also going to take you being obedient and stepping out and doing. Okay, I I put the last one, the obedient and doing, into one instead of two because I knew if I got to four, y'all would be like, goodness, there's a lot of stuff in answering prayers, (laughs) right? There's got to be an obedient and doing. And next week, we're going to get into the physical action part of it, but today we're going to get into the spiritual action part of the obedient and doing on it. And so as we get into the spiritual action part of it, of the obedient and doing, of waiting on his timing, hearing his instruction, and obeying his voice, it's vital for us to adopt this process and embrace this process because in doing this, God answering prayers through us, he's going to rise us to a level of spiritual authority so he doesn't always just have to answer prayers for us. He begins to do it through us, and the church goes to another level. And how many of you know the world has to see the church go to another level? The Northeast Texas region has to see TWBC go to another level. Amen. If he's the same God in America as he is in Africa, we got to go to another level. Amen. He is the same God, but we need a greater measure of his anointing over here in some areas. Amen. And some of that's going to be because we, uh, we, we realize, God, that you don't just want to answer prayers for people. You want to answer prayers through people, and we are your people that you're going to answer prayers through. Can I get an amen on that? So that means this week... God's going to ask you to do something. Bring somebody some ice cream. Okay? And here's your job. I know it's in his timing. I know I'm going to hear his voice when to do it. But then I got to go to the grocery store and buy the half-gallon ice cream. Praise God, Bluebell's back in business. Come on. I mean, I'm just saying. Amen. See, we, get, we do good until it takes us going to the store. We do good until it takes us driving to Walmart, even though it's just five minutes from almost everybody's house. We do good until it actually takes us putting action in place. And if we are going to be the church, and we're going to give thanks and say the testimony of Jesus, what he's done in the past, is the spirit of prophecy of what he's about to do. And what he's about to do, he's going to do it, but he's going to do it through you. It's going to take some action on our part. And so as we get into this message called hot air, I want to talk to you about this term just for a second. Hot air is basically labeled an idiom. It means this. It means talking a lot, especially without saying anything of value or meaning, carrying no weight 
or power. That's what hot air means. I'm going to reread that right quick. It means talking a lot, especially without saying anything of value or meaning, carrying no weight or power. How many of y'all know somebody like that? Don't raise your hand. Come on now. I'm, I got y'all out there. Y'all are like, yeah, you can't do that. Come on, especially y'all front row people. Everybody just called y'all out. I mean, hands are going up, feet are going up. I know people all like that all over, all over the place. Now, come on. God's going to answer some. Y'all, I'm fixing to have to put this little kibosh of ladies right up here. Moms, both of y'all, moms. All right. Yeah, we'll have to separate. Can I get some school teachers up here to help me out? So in this, it's talking a lot, carrying no weight or meaning. And Jeff said something in a Wednesday night service a couple weeks ago. And he said this, when you put great weight on your position, your words will carry greater weight. See, some of y'all want great weight in your words, but you don't put great weight on your position. Listen, there was a time in my ministry career when I first started preaching that I didn't put great weight on who I was as, as lead pastor and founder of the church. And, and because I didn't put great weight on it, people didn't respect it. But when I started putting great weight on the position and, the, and, and where God had placed me in the community as, as, as organizing churches and doing conferences and stuff like that, when I began to put great weight on who I was in Christ, my words began to carry great weight and people began to follow. So a lot of Christians have a lot of hot air we talk a lot, but it doesn't have a lot of meaning, and our words don't carry a lot of weight, by and large, because the church has not put great weight on the very first series of messages we did called Home, where we are seated with Christ Jesus in heavenly places, and we got a new position that carries great weight. We are joint heirs with Jesus Christ. When we begin to put great weight on us being sons and daughters of the Most High God, that we're sons and daughters of the King, that we're sons and daughters of the God who created all of eternity and all of heaven and everything as we know it, when we put great weight on who we are as His children, then the world will begin to see our words carry great weight. Come on now. So if you find yourself ever talking about Jesus all the time and nobody's following, nobody's listening, nobody's adhering, it may be a spiritual issue in your life you got to adjust, not a spiritual issue with their ears that you're praying for. Come on now. See, because you can go talk Jesus all day long, but if you don't put great weight on who you are in Christ, you're not going to say it with convincing, anointing, and passion. You've got to start putting great weight on who you are as a believer. That you are seated with Christ Jesus in heavenly places. And when the enemy tries to tell you no, you go, Dad, gummit, this is who I am. <laughs> Come on, y'all do it to your kids. Listen, simple illustration. Whenever your kids are not listening, what do you do? Listen to me. Right? Some of y'all are like, I was giving an illustration, okay? When they're not listening, like, listen to me. And you say it with authority, and you finally stepped into your weight as dad and mom. Come on now. And it got their attention. When you're not putting great weight on your position as dad and mom, and you're saying, hey, would you do this? Hey, would you do this? Hey, I asked you to do this. Hey, if you got to ask more than five times, they don't see the weight in your words as dad and mom. And so there's, there must be an authority change in your life. Because when you rise up into that authority and you say, listen to me, and they snap to attention, right? And I know this from experience, right? 
Because I love being friends with my kids. I love wrestling with them. I love playing with them. I love contending with them. I love playing soccer with them. I love being with them all the time. But there's a time that dad has to step aside in his fun role and become dad. There's a time you can love and love and love and love and love everybody, love everybody where they're at. And just like, just like we've said all year, they're not a project to be fixed. They're a person to be loved. There's a time, though, when you have to step into your authority as a believer and begin to declare the word of God in not just a convincing fashion, an anointed fashion that gets people to, 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 to look to you and not just look to you, to follow the lead that you're setting. Now, you better watch where you're leading them. You can't be leading them straight to heaven one day and straight to hell the next by your actions and your verbiage and your Facebook posts and your tweets and your Snapchats and your everything else. Come on. If you're leading them, you better lead them. But you're not going to lead until you put great weight on your position. And I've said last week, I said, think of all the great stories in the Bible. All the epic stories in the Bible. Because the testimony of what Jesus has done is the spirit of prophecy of what he's about to do again. Well, I want to read to you what I believe is one of the greatest stories in the Bible. One of the most epic stories in the Bible. It's the Battle of Jericho. And I'm going to read the first five verses of the Battle of Jericho. Because as we're going to be this person who God answers prayers through, we got to be obedient and start doing something. This is the first thing you've got to start doing, putting great weight on who you are so your words carry weight and they become anointed. And so Joshua chapter 6 verse 1 says this. It says, now Jericho, everybody say Jericho, was shut up inside and out because of the people of Israel. None went out. And none came in. And the Lord said to Joshua, hey, follow these principles I just gave you, okay? The Lord said to Joshua, he heard his voice, right? He's listening for instructions. He says, see, I have given Jericho into your hands with its kings and its mighty men of valor. You shall march around the city, all the men of war going around the city once. Thus you shall do this for six days. Seven priests shall bear seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark. On the seventh day you shall march around the city seven times, and the priests shall blow the trumpets. And when they make a long blast with the ram's horn, when you hear the sound of the trumpet, then all the people shall shout. Everybody say shout. With a great shout, and the wall of the city will fall down flat, and all the people shall go up, everyone straight before him. Now, I want to encourage you this morning that now that you know that who you are in Christ and you are putting great weight on who you are in Christ, your words are going to carry great weight. And it says, the Bible says, when I tell you to shout, they are to give a great shout. And so they were giving a great shout. But I'm going to tell you, the walls didn't come down because of the shout. The walls came down because of the breath. The walls of Jericho did not fall because of the shout. They fell because of the breath. I'm going to talk to you about your first aspect of doing as a believer in this series called Thanksgiving because the testimony, the breath of what Jesus has done is the spirit of prophecy of what Jesus is about to do. So it's more than just empty verbiage. It's more than just talking about stories of old. It's in the breath. It's in the spirit in you that you give breath to. The walls didn't fall because of the shout. They fell because of the breath that moved. And so in this, I use that story as a great illustration because with this you're going to begin to speak and walls are going to begin to fall in your life. Finally, some of you for the first time, thank you, Jesus. You've been wondering what the key is and you've been talking and you've heard all these messages on the, the, the power of the tongue and, 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 and life and death is in the power of the tongue and all these things and it hasn't clicked for you. It's going to click for you this morning. This is the reason you've heard it but you ha and you've applied it but you haven't seen results. It's because you thought it was in your voice and it's in your breath. 
It's not in how loud you can shout. It's in the breath within you. And I want to encourage you, some of you have been praying in your prayer closet and you've been screaming until your voice is gone because you think it's in the shout. It's not in the shout, it's in the breath. And it doesn't matter how loud you pray if you're praying in the breath, not in the shout. And I want to, I want to use this illustration um, out of Ezekiel, and it's about the victory that is within me. And Ezekiel, how many of y'all remember the story of the, the Valley of Dry Bones? Go back and read it if you don't, Ezekiel chapter 37. Anyways, the Bible says this, God brought Ezekiel out to a place that was desolate, a dry valley. And it doesn't just say dry, it says, behold, it was very dry. And there were bones all over the valley. And this was the, 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 the people of Israel, the army of Israel that had been destroyed over time. And the valley was dry and the bones were very dry. And God brought him out to this place. See, some of y'all are waiting on God to bring you out to an amazing place in your calling. And you always only see him bringing out to you a, a, a place, a valley of dry bones. Come on now. I said, God, when I preach, I want to minister to thousands. And he said, here you go. Here's Sulphur Springs. <laughs> I'll just be honest with you. Listen, listen. Anybody who's ever starting a ministry does not wake up and say, "Woohoo! I'm called to Sulphur Springs. Come on now. <laughs> I'm just being honest. I'm called to the metropolis of Sulphur Springs. We got, we don't even have a Chick-fil-A. The anointing of God isn't even in this town. There's not even a Chick-fil-A. Are you kidding me? <laughs> Nobody wakes up. John the Baptist, when he was called in the ministry, I'm sure he wasn't excited to God, for God to say, go out in the middle of the wilderness, wear camel's hair, and eat locusts and wild honey, and people are just going to flock to you. Yeah. I'm sure he didn't jump up and down and say, woohoo. Right? See, anybody who's going into the ministry wants the prime location, the prime spot. And I've said this for years now. In, 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 in real estate, it's about location, location, location. In ministry, it's about spirit of God, spirit of God, spirit of God. And anytime God's wanting to do a phenomenon, he doesn't bring you to the biggest place. He brings you to the smallest place so he shows his power is great in the midst of your weakness. Come on now. And so now I'm forever grateful to be in Sulphur Springs. I'm forever grateful that other churches are calling our ministry staff and say, how are y'all doing what you're doing? And I say, it's not about location. It's about spirit of God, spirit of God, spirit of God. Because when God said, buy this plot of land right here, outside of the city limits, where nobody knows where it's at, <laughs> he brought us to the middle of nowhere. But how many of you know in the middle of nowhere, he can put his anointing and it becomes a somewhere real quick? And no, Apple, I'm not doing a software update. I'm preaching. <laughs> and it says this in Ezekiel chapter 37. It says, he said to me, talk, God said talking to Ezekiel, he said to me, prophesy to the breath. Prophesy, son of man, and say to the breath. This is what the sovereign Lord says. Come breath. From the four winds and breathe into these that were slain that they may live. And so I prophesied as he commanded me. And breath entered into them and they came to life and stood upon their feet. A vast army of almighty God. The first thing you've got to do is in your obedience is you've got to be obedient in the doing. And, and this word prophesy here in Ezekiel that he's talking about, it, it's, it's navah, which means to speak under divine influence. So when God said, prophesy Ezekiel to the breath, he's saying, I want you to speak under divine influence to the breath. 
And so when we talk about the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy, when God is saying, release your breath, he's saying, testify about what I've done, because what I've done, I'm about to do again, and it's going to happen because you're releasing it from the breath, because you're speaking it under divine influence. The walls of Jericho didn't fall because of the shout, they fell because of the breath. The vast army didn't stand up because, of, because Ezekiel was just saying words, he was prophesying to the breath. You and your life, you need to quit talking foolish talk and you need to start talking to the Spirit of God, the four winds of heaven and the breath of God. And watch how things begin to happen in your life. Now, when he says prophesy to the breath, it means prophesy, means speak under divine influence to the breath. That breath is called ruach or breath of heaven. It's the same breath that's mentioned in Genesis When God spoke, and the Bible says in the beginning, God was creating heaven and earth, and it says the Spirit of God, the Ruach, the breath of heaven, was hovering over the surface of the deep. Now, now this is awesome. So everybody pay attention to this. The breath of heaven, I'll just use ugly pumpkin again. The breath of heaven was hovering over the surface. And get this. God spoke, and he said, light be. When God spoke, the Ruach responded. And immediately, light, glory of God began to move. And created everything out of his glory as we know it before the fall. Now listen, why is that so important? Because it's no different for you today. Ezekiel was in the valley of dry bones. He was where God told him to be. He heard God's voice. He knew it was God's timing. So he was where God told him to be, knew God's voice. He went out and was obedient. Now he's going to have to do something. And he was sitting there saying, God, there's full of dry bones. And he said, they look dry to you, but my breath is hovering over them. And I want you to speak, prophesy to the breath. Come on now. This will change your life. It will change your marriage. See, your marriage is dead and gone and on the way out, but the Spirit of God hadn't left you. He's hovering over that marriage. And if you'll start prophesying to the breath, the Spirit of God will come in and start connecting bone to bone and sinew to sinew and muscle to muscle and tendon to tendon. And they're going to stand up on their feet, a vast army of God once again. I sincerely believe it. I mean, I'm telling you, that's why God can do something in the midst of the driest places. That's why he's doing a mega church plant in the middle of Sulphur Springs. Come on. That's why he's doing what he's doing here. And so in your life, the same way it happened in the book of Genesis, here, the Spirit of God was hovering. The Spirit of God is hovering over your life right now. And he is waiting for you under divine influence because the Spirit of God is speaking to you to speak the breath of life. And he prophesied and he said, come, four winds of heaven. I can do a whole message on four winds of heaven. I just ain't got time in this series, okay? And it says, come, four winds of heaven, and he prophesied to the breath. And as he began to speak, natural man, in natural surroundings, in an old covenant, and we're in a new and a better covenant, come on now, natural man, in natural surroundings, in a dry place, not just dry, but very dry, the bones were very dry, he began to speak, and breath of heaven that was hovering over the driest of places, come on, when he spoke, the breath of heaven responded to it, and it created something. In your life, whatever is dead and dying and going down the drain really quickly, you need to stop cursing it. 
You need to hold your hands back. And say, God, is your spirit hovering over this place? And I'll give you a, a good nugget here. If you're there, his spirit of God should be there. If you're there, his spirit should be hovering in that place. I'm not saying it is. I'm saying it should be, though. You need to change your lifestyle so it can be. If you're there and his spirit is hovering and you begin to say, say, God, what word? I'm not saying long paragraphs. I'm not saying you got to get into your holy roller corner. I'm just saying, what's the one word? You want me to begin to speak over this? I'll never forget this story. When, when Jeff and Amy first moved to Sulphur Springs, she would just drive around town. And there were buildings that were ugly and falling apart and just junky looking. And she would just start declaring, God, tear it down or bring new life into it. Tear it down or bring new life into it. Remove it or bring new life into it. And all the buildings she began to say that over are now currently under reconstruction or have been torn down and, and creating something beautiful. And I'm not, I'm not giving her credit for the whole square, but I'm giving her a lot, a lot of credit for Celebration Plaza. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. I mean, praise God the people who did the work. But what I'm saying is there's life in you, but the Ruach Spirit of God is hovering overing something, and he's waiting on your doing, speaking under divine influence, to make something happen. Your first act of doing is not running out and going somewhere. It's getting the presence of God and the Spirit to fall on you so you can go. See, a lot of people think Jesus' last words of the Great Commission were going to all the world. It wasn't. His last words were in the book of Acts. It says, wait for the promise of the Holy Spirit so when the power falls on you, then you can go. It's no different in your life. You're in church this morning for one reason. You're waiting for the power of the Spirit of God to fall on you so when you speak, this Bruach Spirit of God reacts. And amazing things begin to happen. It's not in your shout, it's in your breath. I'm going to show you how powerful this is. In Genesis chapter 17, verses 1 through 6, when Abraham, Abram was 99, everybody say 99. When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am God Almighty. Come on now. Walk before me and be blameless that I may make my covenant between me and you and you may multiply and, and, and may multiply you greatly. And Abram fell on his face and God said to him, behold, my covenant is with you. And you shall father a multitude of nations. Get this. The man is 99 and has no kids. And you will father a multitude of nations. No longer shall your name be called Abram, but your name shall be called Abraham, for I have made you the multitude of many nations. Now I want you to get what he did. His name was Abram. He added uh, three letters in English, but, but in, in the, the real language, what is written is, guys, throw that on the screen, from Abram to Abra. Hum on there. He added a ha in the midst of it. And that word, ha, leave that up on the screen if you don't mind, guys. When he added the ha on there, that ha in that language, the, the, the Hebrew language, literally means breath. So when he said, I'm changing your name from Abram to Abraham, he breathed on him. And then he said, but you know how old my wife is. <laughs> See, he made a big mistake, told the age of his wife, I'm telling you. <laughs> and so he didn't just change his name to, from Abram to Abraham. 
he changed Sarai to Sarah. Husbands and wives, he doesn't just breathe on one, he breathes on both. It took him breathing on both for them to have a son at the age of 99. And, and, and I'll tell you this, because I got young ears, I'll phrase it like this. It was not immaculate conception. Some of y'all will click in here in a minute, okay? <laughs> now get this. It doesn't matter how old you are when breath of life comes on you. You have the power when the breath of God falls on you, even at the age of 99, to create new life. Come on now. Not just physically, but spiritually. Some of you think because you're past 50, you're dead, done, and gone. I'm telling you, say, God, breathe on me breath of life again. Because if you've done that to Abraham at 99, I'm not believing for more kids. Come on now. Some of y'all clarify. If you're 50 plus, I'm, maybe you want more kids 50 plus. I don't know. That's y'all's own business, okay? I'm not praying for more kids, but if you can make life happen from somebody who's 99 and I'm half that age, if you can make life happen and I'm half that age, what can God do when he breathes on you? The testimony of what he's done is the spirit of prophecy of what he's about to do. Some of you this morning have rehearsed stories in your mind of the amazing miracles you've heard God do. And you're sitting there wondering, God, when is it my turn? I'm telling you, your turn has showed up today. you got to get one thing in your life right. And it's this one principle. i got to be obedient and doing. And the first thing i got to start doing is a spiritual revamping of the inner me. And I've got to realize this. It's not in my shout, but I put weight on who I am in Christ. And in this position that I'm born again, I'm blood-bought, I'm a child of the living God, I'm seated with Christ Jesus in heavenly places, I'm an overcomer, I'm more than a conqueror, and now there's breath of life in me. So when I speak, the ha goes forth. And new worlds are created. See, I'm stretching you this morning. I want you to carry weight in your words. But until you put weight on your position, you'll never have weight in your words. And if you'll finally put weight on your words and begin to prophesy, navah, under divine influence, to the breath that's already hovering over you. When you prophesy, speak under divine influence, the Spirit of God reacts. Not just through His Holy Spirit, through all of heaven. His angels many times are bored out of their dadgum minds because believers who say, we believe in Jesus and everything about heaven, you never speak under the breath or the navah. And so they're sitting there waiting on a command. Are you angels, you heavenly beings, are you not sent to serve those doing the work of the gospel, the Bible says? Many of your angels are bored out of their mind because you're busy playing Xbox. You're busy Facebooking. Listen, it didn't say Facebook it. It said bring it to the breath. You speak it out there. Put it in the breath. Put it in your breath. I'm going to dare some of y'all to step out for the impossible this morning. What's the impossible that you want to do? And I don't care what's happened in the past. What's the impossible that you want to accomplish? Worship team, y'all begin to come. What's the impossible that you want to accomplish? And I'm going to ask that you bring it before the Father. 
and you let his spirit rest on it. And under divine influence, you begin to speak the breath of life back into whatever it is. If it's your marriage that is dead and dying and gone, and there is no possible way you see a, a, a resurrection from the dead in it, I want you to bring it. Bring that valley of dry bones to the Father. And under the Spirit of God that's resting over it, because the Spirit of God is in this place, I want you to speak divine words into it and watch it begin to create. Now here's the thing. God's going to do some of it miraculously, instantaneously, outside of uh, time, space, and this dimension. He'll do it, and he can still do it today. We've heard testimonies about it all morning. For some of you, it's going to be conception. He's going to start working on a process. Okay? How many of you had kids? How many months was it from the day you conceived to the day you gave birth? You've had 30 years of marriage hell, and you're expecting, bloop, instantaneous, outside of time, space, dimension to happen. But sometimes God says, I'll answer the prayer for you, but more than likely, I want to answer the prayer through you. And he wants to answer prayers through other people this morning. So during this altar call this morning, if you're good in your own place where you're at in your seat, and you see somebody up here kneel at the altar praying, you may be the one who's supposed to bring some ice cream. Come lay your hands on them. Why are you making them wait alone? Why are you making them wait by themselves? Come stand with them. Be with them. Not just during an altar call. Covenant to call them tomorrow. Because waiting's not fun. But I promise you we can cut down the flight delays a lot. If we'll start prophesying to the breath. And we'll start speaking life. Into things that are dead. Prophesy to the breath, he said, son of man. This is what I do every Sunday or every week when I'm practicing my messages for Sunday. I don't just sit in my office and read and study. I go out where I can prophesy to the breath. I go out where I can prophesy to the breath and I imagine clay and ginger when I'm preaching, even before I'm here on Sunday. Imagine David and Raphael. I imagine Susan and Thomas. I imagine Andy and Linda. I imagine Amanda Foster when I'm preaching. Because I'm not just doing it. I'm prophesying to the breath that believing God's already working on something before you even get here. Yeah. It, it, it's not something I don't do. It's something I do every single week it, with you in mind. When, when, when Hillary and Beck are about to go to the Philippines, I'm already prophesying to the breath before they're even getting on a plane. I, I, this, this is normal life for me. It's weird if I don't do it. And it should be weird for every believer if we don't do it. The reason God can move is because you've been prophesied over long before you entered this building. You've been prophesied over starting at 1230 today. I'll start prophesying you over you again for the next week. It's when I start my sermon prep. When you start it, it never ends. Because you're not sermon prep. You're somebody I prophesied the breath over. Somebody who's going to change worlds. Somebody who's going to change lives. Somebody who's going to see their career path skyrocket because now the life of God and the breath of God have came together. You're not sermon prep for me. I prophesy the breath. 
Now stand with me this morning. You're not sermon prep for somebody else either. This is time we do a call to step out by faith. This is time where you begin to start believing for the impossible. Ministers come and begin to pray.